0: Welcome to the Ramp Church podcast. We are so honoured that you've joined us today and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Ramp Church Manchester or would like to partner with us in giving, visit us over on our website ramp.church/mcr, Or find us on social media. Now let's head straight into this week's message. One more time, give Jesus the best praise and welcome. Everything to you, Lord. Everything to you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. Lord, we love your presence more than anything in this world. We acknowledge you. We thank you. We drove to this building this morning, and I flew here, to just be with you. Above everything else, Lord, above it all. The fellowship is wonderful. The food of this city is wonderful. (laughs) But you are better. You are better. You are greater. You are everything that we live for. You are. Jesus. We came to hear you this morning, Holy Spirit. So speak. Speak through me, Lord. Give me, give all of us in this room ears to hear what you have to say to us. You always... You always speak when you find ears that are listening. So here we are. Here we are. We love you, Jesus. You are the Lord of this atmosphere. You are Lord of our lives. In Jesus' name, we say amen. Amen. It is my honor to be with you. Thank you for coming. I came the furthest, but thank you. Some of my sweet front porch friends, where are you? I see you scattered around this room. You know who you are when I say that. And I met one of them a few minutes ago that had driven two hours to be here, and some others that, that came today. It means the world to me. We have a connection in the spirit, don't we, ladies? And uh, in your agreement even this morning matters. So thank you for coming. Thank you for sharing the front porch with me. Whether it's in Alabama in the valley in the, by the creek with, with Palmer, ladies, we know who Palmer is or standing in this room. thank you for coming and ramp Church, wonderful to see you. Wonderful, my sweet Sanja, all of you I just I'd love to call all of your names, but to all of you, thank you for being here such a an, such a an, uh, special day, our fourth birthday. I remember four years ago, you know from the very beginning of this word concerning Manchester. God has been in every bit of it. And every time I come to Manchester, I feel like I'm in this prophetic swirl of God. God has an agenda for this city. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But before I do that, to these wonderful pastors, again, thank you for coming. And it's our honor that, that you would come and uh, we are with you. We are believing with you for your harvest in Jesus' name. James Aladrin, Becky, my, I see you as my son and daughter. I love you so much, both of you. I love you deeply. To Clay and Olivia, these precious interns. Oh, my. Clay and Olivia, oh. Oh. These, this couple, I don't know what we would do without them. Lord, may we never have to do without them till Jesus comes. Clay and Olivia, you know who I'm talking about, right? This beautiful girl that led worship this morning and her husband's around here somewhere. And James's sweet sister leading worship to Olivia, Victoria. Stand up, Olivia. Don't you love this worship leader? And Victoria, where are you, sweetheart? These worship, this worship team, amazing. Thank you. These, let me just brag on my kids for just a second. I am a mother, all right? This band, oh my heavens, these musicians, what in the world? Incredible, incredible, incredible. I love it. And uh, I just, you know, Manchester, you're already getting spoiled. These guys are great. And it is a blessing. I love seeing people give their gifts that God has given them, and they give them back to God in worship. So thank you for doing that and serving this mission to all these musicians and singers and the cameraman. I love seeing this cameraman a while ago. He was in your dancing. I thought, what kind of a shot is that going to be? I'm not sure, but anyway, hopefully people watching on Zoom, they'll just be jumping too and won't notice it, right? At home. Joe and Stacy, I can't talk about you without crying. I just This morning, I felt so emotional with gratitude and love. I hope I can even get through this word this morning. I'm not a crier, believe it or not. But when I say the fruit of their yes, and that's you, and that's his glorious presence, I found something about God. When he smells sacrifice, when he smells basically flesh burning from our willingness to pick up our own cross and follow him, without fail, he comes to consume a sacrifice that's been fully given to him. And I walked in this room this morning and immediately he was here. And I knew that he is responding to a great sacrifice of many of you, but especially this couple in the front row and their children. And just thank you, Joe, and thank you, Stace, for everything, for every hard day, for every sacrifice that you have made to be a part of the vision and the heart of God. Would you tell Joe and Stacey thank you? Thank you, Ramp Church. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I don't plan to keep you long. I want some roast, too. After all, I am in England, and you do roast. And what is the peas, the, the green peas? Mushy peas. And I've, I've grown to love those. And uh, America uh, needs to come back to the motherland and learn to cook again. Yes. I love this nation. I love England. Now, the more I've studied it, my people are from here on almost every side and every branch of my family. And uh, from all over England, it appears. So I'm kin to you somewhere. If we talked long enough, I'm sure we'd find the line. But I love Manchester. God gave us a word to be in this city. That's the only reason we are here. And, uh, but I love dreaming the dreams of God. And we didn't want to just, we can't do this by ourselves. That's not his dream. You are a part of the dream of God. He has something he wants to do in the earth. Isn't that exciting? And Manchester is a part of that dream or the city that you are from. You are a part. You have a role to play, a purpose in the heart and in the plan of God. There's a wonderful scripture. I'll refer to it often because I love it so much. And it's a scripture that just summarizes the ultimate big picture plan of God. And it's found in Ephesians 1 verse 10. Paul says it. And I love this verse because it does. Paul is just saying the whole first chapter of Ephesians is amazing. First and second whole book. But Paul said in Ephesians 1.10, after he's just prefaced this by referring to this great mystery of God. I mean, actually, when you think about this big, great God of the universe, what is your plan? What is your heart? What is your idea? Why did you make all of this? Why is this universe hanging out here on nothing but your word? Why is there a planet called Earth? Why did you put billions of people throughout time on this planet called Earth and yet name them and plan them and purpose each life individually? What was your idea? Why did you bring your son in flesh and cause him to give his life, to purchase those who had rebelled against you? What is the idea behind your heart? What are you thinking? Why? What is your dream? And Paul references that when he says all the prophets have always wondered about this great mystery of God. In Ephesians 1.10, he says it. He says, and this is the plan. This is it. Paul's going to summarize the plan of God, the eternal plan of God, in one sentence. And he says it like this in the New Living Translation. He says, and this is the plan. That at the right time, God will bring everything under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven earth. That's powerful. What is the plan of God? everything in all of time, including 2021 and the craziness of our world currently, yet everything is pointing straight toward nothing but Jesus and the authority of Christ and the Lordship of Jesus. Come on. He is coming. He came. He died. He rose. He left, but he promised I am coming again. And when he comes, the Bible says he has been given a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, Every knee will bow. Come on. Everything in heaven, everything on earth, and everything under the earth. And every tongue from Adam until the last man born, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Give God praise if you believe that right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe that. Earlier this spring, I had an interesting thing happen to me. I've shared it with Joe and Stacy and my team. But it's a word that shook me. It's a word I've been living on the last few days, months, since spring. And it was this. I had just gotten up. I had just, I had just, I woke up and I had just stood up from my bed. When I stood up, I heard, I heard a voice as though it were coming from my left side. It was that clear. And this this is the statement that I heard. I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, what I've told you to do, do it now. Time is of the essence. What I've told you to do, do it now. Well, i I hear this and I'm just like, I stood there for a second. It actually even scared me a little. I thought, Lord, am I about to die or something? I mean, what does this mean? What I've told you to do, do it now. And even the voice itself had an urgency in it. I went to the ramp that we have in Alabama we had gathered for morning prayer. I had four of my intercessors at the door. When I walked in, they were just standing chatting. And when I walked in, I looked at my, my friends and I told them, I said, "Just had the strangest thing happen to me. And I relayed to them the story I just told you. So I, I, was, I didn't tell anybody else, but I was deeply moved by this word and knew that the Lord was speaking to me concerning an urgency of his agenda. Well, I bore it in my spirit for a couple of days. A couple of days later, I get a text message from a gentleman that I rarely see. I see him every few years. I don't hear from this man. He is the pastor of a Southern Baptist church in Birmingham, Alabama. And I might hear from him. <coughs> I'm not sick. Don't worry about me. I promise. Believe me, to be here, I've had three COVID tests in five days, and I'm negative, 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 all right? I am getting over a sinus thing, but it's okay. So I hear from this gentleman who, like I said, I, uh, I have not heard from him in, in months and months. And out of nowhere, I look down on my phone, and I have a text message from him. And I've learned that when I hear from this man, it catches my attention every time. When I just see his name, I'm like... This is going to be a word from the Lord. So I looked down at my phone. He's always straight to the point. No chit-chat. He's always just right there. I looked down at my phone and it said, I was praying for you this morning, saw your face, heard this word to give you. What I have told you to do, do it now. Time is of the essence. I'm like, Lord, you don't have to tell me again. I hear you. I hear you this morning. I don't believe that word has been just for me, but I believe that word is for those of us even associated with this mission. Those of you that came to the room this morning, it is an awakening word to make us really evaluate some important questions that each of us should be asking. Number one, if I, the first statement, what I've told you to do, that makes me stop and say, what have you told me to do? What exactly have you, God, told me to do? You need to ask yourself that this morning. What exactly has he told you to do? You say, well, I'm not sure. Well, he will gladly tell you. He loves to talk. And if you'll just tell him, Lord, I'm seeking you. I want to know what you want from my life. Because within that big picture of God, each life has an individual purpose that makes up this big picture of God. So we have an individual mission. Are you listening? We have an individual mission within a corporate mission. That's right. Yes. And even to the ramp body or whatever church that God has brought you to. You, we all have an individual mission within a corporate mission. Then when we all put all of our missions together, it's God's big picture. Come on. So what has God called you to do? What did he tell you to do? There was no person ever born on this planet ever without a purpose. Not one ever, 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 not one. That was just an accident that God didn't know was coming. So I think about what has he called me to do. For Karen personally, besides some personal things I've got to take care of at my house, literally. I have two things that I know he's called me to do with the remainder of my life for focus. Just, and, and it's important to simplify it down to the most important and prioritize it. For me personally, it was to, to reach people, young and old, especially young, but we need, we need the old too. I hope so because I just turned 61 this week. <laughs> to reach people and bring them into the presence of God. That's what the ramp is in the States and in England. It is a place where we host and we prioritize the presence of God. And then once we do that just as as Joe said earlier as worshipers and priests unto God when you worship him he comes. So our his presence is our priority at the ramp. Above everything and anything everything programs agendas or anything else his presence as absolute priority of the ramp. I sw- I would shut down anything else that wants to get in the way of that. God, your presence. Lord, if you are not with us then we have nothing. You are everything. You are the essence, the DNA of everything that we are after, the presence of God. And then I know that when he comes, we just go outside and we look at people and say, come in the room, come in the room. He's in the room. Come in, come in, come in. And then people walk into the presence of God. And it's what Olivia sang earlier. When he walks into the room, Everything changes. Come on. Darkness trembles. Bodies begin to be healed. People begin to be delivered. The confused are brought. The bound are set free. Marriages are healed. Young people find their purpose and hope. Come on. When he walks into the room, everything, everything in your life, everything in your family, everything in your marriage, everything in your workplace, everything in your city changes. Come on. I want to live the rest of my life running after who he is. Seeing him more and more intimately, knowing his presence in my life, and then bringing people into that. So that's that's what he's told me to do, number one, bring people in my presence. Number two, he called me to raise up an army of intercessors. That's what front porch friends are, isn't it? It's an army of intercessors. I don't have time to explain that to everybody here today. But I know that part of my mission is to raise up an army, really of young and old. But right now, it's a lot of mothers that are praying mothers. So that's what God's called us to do. I'm not going to dwell there because I could make a whole message there. And if I ever rabbit trail, I will never get back. So what has he called us to do? That's what he's called me to do. But I believe you're wrapped up even in what he's called me to do. And I believe I'm wrapped up in somewhat what he's called you to do. So I'm going to start right here in John 4. I believe this is where we are. Why does it matter that what, we've told, what he's told us to do, we've got to do it now? Why? Because it's harvest time. Say out loud, say, it's harvest, time. it's harvest time. Yes, it is. And in prayer this morning, one of our precious sisters came up and took the microphone, and she said, the waiting is over. I believe that. Say that out loud. Say, the wait is over. Wait is over. That's true. There may be some things you're waiting on in your life. But I'm telling you, as it pertains to harvest, the wait is over. John 4, chapter 4, verse 34. Now, before this verse starts, Jesus has just gotten through talking to the woman at the well. And the woman at the well has just left. His disciples came up and his disciples had been out getting something to eat. And so they're asking Jesus. They, first of all, they're just saying, Lord, do you want something to eat? And his response is, I've got some food you don't even know about. And I love their response. Somebody give him something to eat. You know, it's like, somebody feed him while we were gone. And I love his reaction. Listen to Jesus' response. Verse 34 Jesus explained, My nourishment. Y'all listen, this is strong. This is, this, listen, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. I just want to stop right there for a second. Jesus said, my whole life, Jesus said, I live. My nourishment comes from just doing the will of God. Whatever you've sent me on the earth to do, God, my purpose, my, my reason for living is to do the will of God. Oh, That's where we find satisfaction in our identity and who we are. It's just God, whatever you've called me to do, that's where my life is fulfilled. We've got to carry His mindset in the way that we live. This is not a part-time job. Come on. Serving God's not a Sunday morning visit with God. Come on. This is our life. It's 24-7. It's what we live and move and have our being in. It's life itself. God is not just a little sidekick over here. We don't just come to church in case there's a God and we die someday and gotta stand before Him. No. He is everything to us. The breath that we breathe. My nourishment comes from doing the will of God. And I love this. And finishing his work. I prayed even when I heard that word what I've told you to do, do it now. I was like, Lord, one thing I ask. I don't know how much longer I have to live. But I said to the Lord, Lord. Lord, I ask you, don't take me until I have finished the work you've called me to do. I don't want to leave the earth until I can say I finished the work you've called me to do. Come on, Paul says that. At the end of his life, he told Timothy, Timothy, I finished the race. I kept my faith. I made it. I finished what he called me to do. And now I want to go home. When Jesus stretched out his arms on the cross, even he, in his last few moments, it was important enough for him, and his statement was full of tremendous meaning. But he said, it's finished. I have finished the work he's called me to do. Whatever he's told you to do, do it and finish it. Come on. Do you hear me this morning? I believe he sent you here for me to tell you what I've told you to do. Do it and finish it. He goes on. Next verse you know, the saying four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up. One version says, lift up your eyes and look around. The fields are white, all ready for harvest. He says here, the harvesters are paid good wages. I love this line. And the fruit they harvest is people. The fruit you harvest is people brought to eternal life. And I love this. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lord. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know, the saying one plants another harvest and it's true. He said, I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant and others have already done the work. And now you will just get together the harvest. That's so beautiful. What does that mean? Listen to me. Say, I'm listening. It means one generation building on another. We didn't just come to, to Manchester, England, because only just because God just thought one day just to, oh, I think I'll have them all No, I believe that for generations before us, and there's an interesting verse that the Lord has put all around Manchester, England for us. From the first time we came here to sort of scout this land on nothing but a word of God to come to Manchester. How many of you have ever heard that, just the the word God gave us about Manchester? Raise up your hand. I want to see you. Yes. Good, 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 good. All right. Good. How many of you have never heard the word God gave us to come to Manchester? And if you don't know what I'm talking about. All right. All right. Well, for the few that have not heard it, I'll tell you one sentence. When God, it was the most supernatural word I've probably ever received. I'm not going to tell you the story this morning, maybe another time. But one of those sentences in the word God gave us. He said that out of Manchester, out of this area, he was going to raise up an army of the young that was going to come with a loud shout that will cause the enemy to flee from this land and others. In other words, God has something planned for Manchester. And the same time God gave us the word to come here, James, you remember this, he gave us also a word that has become pivotal for us out of Deuteronomy 111. Every time without exception that I come to Manchester, I see this word. And here's how I see it. It's just the number 111. i I'll see it all over the place. It'll be on the back of a bus. It'll be on the side of the wall. It'll be on a car tag. It'll be on the room number of your God is always reminding me of the promise he gave us concerning this place. And this is that word. It says this, Deuteronomy 111. And may the Lord, the God of your ancestors, multiply you a thousand times greater and bless you as he promised. Manchester and England and those of you that came this morning, that's your word. And that's why he's saying, I've called you to plant harvest where other people planted. In other words, the God of your ancestors. What does that mean? It means God hasn't forgotten the promise he gave your ancestors. Come on. God never forgets a promise. It may have been 700 years ago they were here toiling in prayer. We may not even know their names of our great, 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 great grandfathers and grandmothers or those saints of old that toiled and prayed in England and Manchester. We may never know their names, but God gave them a promise and I can tell you this, God never forgets a promise promise. God never forgets a promise and if they don't see the fulfillment of it I believe their children and their great grandchildren will. That's why I believe this morning in 2021, we are standing in a field ready to harvest. Why? Because some people planted in prayer and tears and they've sown in tears, but they're going to reap in joy. Come on. That's the joy of the planter and the harvester. That's why he says, what joy is awaiting both of them, both the planter and the harvester, even if the planters are watching from heaven. In a great cloud of witnesses. I believe they experience joy when they look down here and see us harvesting. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let me read you one more verse. Matthew 9. Listen to this. Matthew 9. 35 through 38. This is quick. The Bible says, I'll just skip down. Jesus went through all the towns and the villages of that area, healing every disease and illness. And, and, and this says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. It says, they were like sheep without a shepherd. I went to the Trafford Center last night, and that's really how I felt. Did I say that right? The Trafford Center. That's really how I felt. I felt walking around the Trafford Center just somewhat of what I think Jesus feels when he looks around and sees these sheep that are just lost. And I walked around last night in that mall, literally looking at people and literally praying, God, how do we do this? How do we do this? It was so packed. It was like the week of Christmas. Joe said, this place is so full. He said, there's got to be thousands. I said, Joe, there's millions of people in this mall. There are millions of people. But how do we reach these people? How? Jesus says this. Verse 37. So he said to his disciples and he said to ramp church in 2021, the harvest is great. But the workers are so few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his harvest. I want this this to stir us this morning and this not just be in our ear and out the other. If that's the words of Jesus, and it is, and they're read... I want this to move us like it moved him. He was moved with compassion. Something moved in him when he saw the need of the people. I don't want us to become so so numb and desensitized and so adapted to the culture of this world that we're not moved anymore when we see the lost harvest. The harvest is great, but the laborers are few. And you read that. And the interesting thing is this verse was given to every generation. Every, since Jesus spoke those words, it was true to every living human being that would ever get it later to every human being that would ever read this. It was for every generation. There has never been a generation that this did not, was not to, it was to every generation that's ever lived. In other words, the harvest has always been ripe and the harvest has always been ready. Every generation understood this. Keith Green said something so powerful. I never forgot it. He's a young man that was lived. He was in America. He's with the Lord. But Keith Green said something that shook me. He said, this generation of Christians is responsible for this generation of souls. Huge. This generation of Christians is responsible. For the people at Trafford Mall last night. For the people in your street. For the people in this city. If it's not us, then somebody show me who. I want us, I want us to feel this in our heart. Not in a condemning way, a shameful way at all. It just needs to move us. Do you hear me? And if it doesn't move us, then we need to pray, Lord, it's not moving me, but I want it to. If it doesn't do anything to you, then say, God, this doesn't move me at all, but I, I'm saying, Holy Spirit, make my heart feel again. The harvest is great and abundant, and this is a massive job to do what God wants to do in Manchester. It's been four years, four years, wow. Four years that we've been here, many of you have been here plowing and planting for a long, much longer. It's a massive job and it's bigger than we think. And in in that word that God gave me personally in my bedroom and in this word right here found in Matthew, he is telling us, hurry. The fields are wide and ready to harvest. The laborers are few. Back again in in the book of John, he was saying, hurry, hurry. Because you don't have a lot of time. He was telling me time is of the essence. I'm going to go back to John quick. Hang on. In the book of John, he says, you know the saying, there's four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. In other words, Jesus was saying, you don't have time. You don't even have four months. In other words, he was saying in planting, it's planting four months, harvest, planting four months, harvest. Jesus was saying, another saying is four months and then the harvest. He was saying, but I say to you, lift up your eyes, look on the fields. They're already ripe." In other words, listen, good. He's saying, if you will work with me, I'll do a supernatural work. Come on. I'll supersede time if you'll work with me. Why? Because his heart is so about souls. Come on, the clock is ticking. Second Peter said that the clock is ticking because he's just waiting for another soul. And he's saying to his people today, you don't have four months. You don't have time to waste. Come on, in other words, he's saying, if you'll plant and depend on me, I'll give you a supernatural harvest. It's not plant four months and wait. And here's the deal. Here's the truth. In the natural realm, You've got a window of time to harvest. And if you miss that window of time in a natural harvest, your harvest is lost. The food, the fruit, the vegetables have rotted and they're gone. If you miss your window of time in the natural season, Your harvest is lost. We have a window of time. Please listen. We, we have, we have. God, help me hear this. We have a window of time. And if we miss it, the harvest for our generation will be lost. Listen to me. In a natural harvest, if you lose that harvest because you weren't ready in its window, you can just plant again and start all over. Next year. But in a spiritual harvest, if you miss your window of time for that soul, there's not another chance next year. Because when they slip into eternity, the window of time is shut and it's over. But that's why Jesus was saying, You need to listen to me, you need to hurry. You need to hurry. You need to focus. You need to focus on what matters. The harvest is ready. I'll work with you to do a supernatural work. Souls are dying. I need to get through you. Come on. Can you hear that this morning? The harvest is ripe and the harvest is ready. And We've got to do it now because time is of the essence. When we look at the harvest field and it looks impossible, what are we going to do? Because Jesus said the laborers are few. It's a marvelous crowd this morning in Manchester, Church, Man- Ramp Church, Manchester. Did I get that right? But how many people live in Manchester, Joe? 2.8 million. It's a big field. It's just a few, few laborers. That's okay. It's okay. God always likes a few because we got to have him. <laughs> Come on. We need more laborers. Come on, we need laborers. The field is ripe. It's huge. The harvest is great. There's just a few of us. We need everybody. We need all hands on deck. I don't know if it's this way here in England, but in America, I always am blown away when churches work against each other rather than with each other. Well, we've already got a few laborers. Why should the laborers be jealous of each other? We've got this massive field to harvest. And we get laborers over here arguing over, you're in my field. You're in my corner. These few feet are mine. There's a field to harvest. A massive world of millions of... How foolish is it when ministries when churches what are y'all doing oh no did y'all hear that church is in revival oh no oh no they can't be in revival we've got the word for revival now that may not happen in England but in America (laughs) ministries jealous of each other oh God's using him in his field more than he's using me oh no I've got to find something to talk bad about him about see if I can stop his work He's getting more than I am over there. And we're ignoring the harvest because we're arguing over foolishness. One time the disciples told Jesus, Lord, today we were out and we saw somebody over there casting out a devil. And we told him to stop it because he wasn't with us. Jesus said, don't do that. Don't." He said, if he's, they're not against us, then they're for us. Come on, if they're not against us, then they are for us. Come on, if they're preaching that Jesus is the only way to the Father, let's get behind them, let's pray for them, let's encourage each other. That's why I'm so glad you're here. That's why I'm so glad you came. We are with you in this mission. We are with you. Come on laborer. We want to bless you. We want to strengthen you. We want to help you. We say go, 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 go. We look at you and say God sent you as much as God sent us. We look at you and say you matter to Manchester. Oh. We need laborers. Oh, what are we going to do about it? Oh, he told us what to do. Fields are ripe. Laborers are few. He said, here's what to do. Pray. Pray. Why? Jesus said this. Pray that God will send forth laborers. Now, that is the oddest statement to me. It's God's will to harvest the field. Why doesn't he just send laborers? Why do we have to tell him to send forth laborers? He should just say, why do we have to ask you to do what you obviously already want to do? John Wesley said it, a man of this motherland. John Wesley said this. He said, because God does nothing in the earth except in response to prayer. God does nothing in the earth except in response to prayer, even if it's his will. Yeah, I don't have time to preach it. It's another message, but it's a true statement. It's a true statement. One of the reasons he does that is because he's like, I'm not going to let you do this without me. If I let you go out on this field and harvest it without prayer, You'll think you did it. And your work will be profitless. And then ultimately it will destroy you. You've got to live utterly dependent on me. Ramp Church, I'm telling you this morning, pray. How are we going to reach those people at that mall last night? The people in the street in your office, how are we going to reach your family? How are we going to reach your family? First... Number one, pray. God raised up a man here named James Aladrin and Becky, his wife, both of them. Why? To cause a prayer storm in Manchester. They've been praying for over 10 years, day and night. I can feel the difference from when I first came to Manchester to coming back now. You know why? They've been breaking up stuff in the heavens, in a furnace room, under the ground stirring things up in the heavens. They can't get a lot of people to join them because a lot of people don't want the hard prayer stuff. Come on. But that's okay. God will take James and Becky. He says, I just need one. I just need somebody to get there. Just give me one or two. Come on. I can break open a city. Come on. If I can just find a man, if I can find a man that will pray, oh, I can change. Come on. He will save a nation if he can find an intercessor. Thank you, James. Becky. For that sacrifice, we are all benefiting from it. Your reward is coming, and it's great in heaven and on earth. I'm going to be almost finished now, winding to the end. I don't know what time it is, and I'm not looking, but I will be quick. He said, pray for laborers. Pray for laborers. He says this. I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go back to Matthew. I think Matthew nine. The harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of who's in charge of the harvest. One last thing before we go today. Say one more time. I'm listening. Okay. Here's the last part. Pray he sends laborers. Now watch. Pray. This version says ask him. To send. To send. Now, I want to give you a little heads up warning about something. I have found this about God. If you pray for him to do something for like something like send out laborers, get ready. He'll probably start with you to be the answer to your own prayer. You'll probably say, I will do that. I'm going to start with you. You go. In other words, this. Did you know? And this is interesting to me that that word right there, that he will send forth laborers. That word "send" is ekbalo. Many of you are familiar with that word. I know James is in our team. Ekbalo. That word in the in the Greek is ekbalo. That means this. I went and looked it up. In the Greek, that word means. To send laborers, it means to violently eject. In other words, when God is saying that He will send forth laborers, when God does something, sometimes He's not all kind. Like, would you mind going out? <laughs> you know, would you have time to go and help me reach people? Could you? Would you be willing? No. This is what ekbalo means. Pray that he will ekballo laborers. Here's what ekballo means. Violently eject. Thrust out. To throw something. To cast out. In other words, many times in, in the Bible when Jesus was casting out a demon, the Bible said he would ekballo the demon. He was never nice to demons. He did not look at demons and say, if you don't mind, would you leave this person? No, he ekbaloed that demon. He cast it out violently, forcefully. To ekbalo means to drive out. this, This is another definition. With a notion of violence, to compel one to depart in stern language. Whoa. Listen to this one. It means to command or cause one to depart in haste. This one says, to lead one forth or away somewhere with a force which cannot be resisted. Listen to one, two more, one more. This one says, in this case, it implies urgent, interruptive action. In other words, God brought you to the ramp church this morning on October the 3rd, 2021 to interrupt some plans. Come on, y'all, please. You're not here by chance. No, no, no. Not a person in this room is here just by chance. God brought you here to interrupt some stuff. Why? Because the abundance and the urgency of the harvest necessitates pulling laborers away from their current occupations to employ them here in the field instead. By nature, it means that this is a disruptive call. It means we cannot go on living life as usual. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Come on. Would you come to the piano, please? We must pray that God will send out laborers and then we must be ready to go when he calls. It's fascinating to me in this book. When Jesus said these words in Matthew 10, actually Matthew nine, the harvest is great. But the workers are few. That's the case. Okay. Send forth. Pray that he would send more laborers into his harvest. Next chapter, chapter 10. So Jesus called his disciples together. And he gave them authority. So the very people he's telling to pray, he starts with them. He gave them authority. Look at the next verse 5. And so Jesus sent out. He abolished 12 men to go change the world. So he told 12 men, You need to pray that God will send forth laborers. The field's too great. But I'm going to start with you. 12 men who ultimately gave their lives for the sake of his heart and call and mission. You say, How do I make that practical? It is a big picture. it's a big field and we're just little bitty with our little lives how do i make that practical i'll tell you quickly number one start with this jesus this field is overwhelming but send me that's a start and send others and other churches because in a natural field if we were if a big old if we've had this huge farm we wouldn't plants. So I mean America we have gigantic cornfields and my, my you need all kinds of machinery. You need all kinds of equipment. So we need talents, we need gifts, we need machinery, which is other ministries, we need barns and silos, which is churches. We need it all. So praise in a lot of people, other churches. Then say, Lord, your word says your evangelistic plan is to look for a person of peace. First, and when I go into a place, I'm going to start looking for the person that maybe you've sent me to today. So, in your office or in your home or in your if you just go to the Trafford Center, go intentionally. What does it mean? It means my whole life belongs to doing the will of God. So, God, where do you want me to get gas for my car today? Because there may be somebody at a gas station. There was for me recently, I was getting gas for my car, turned around. There was a boy sitting on the sidewalk and I heard God tap me on the shoulder, said, this is why you got gas here. So I was just able to turn around and talk to that boy for some time, minister to him. He was so lost, so lost before I left though. He told me front porch friends. He said, but my grandmother had a Bible, so she had planted a seed. He said, she's gone. He said, she died. He said she died, but I remember her Bible and then I knew why I was sent there. God sent another grandmother because that grandmother's prayers were still working for that boy. Come on. You live intentionally. Go to the grocery store intentionally. Yes, to get groceries, but looking for your person. Is it the person checking out? Is it somebody in the aisle that you pass? Is it somebody at the office that you just find out is going through a time in their marriage? But it just so happens you hear about their situation. That's noah. so happens. That's because God's tapping you on the shoulder saying, I need you to harvest right here. Today, starting today, live intentionally. At the restaurant, send me where you want me to eat because you know who you've got there. Everywhere we go, we are laborers fulfilling his mission. You can do this. We need you. You matter to the harvest. And many people God ekballed. I saw you stand four years. You've been a part of Ramp Church. God ekballed you here. He acknowledged Joe and Stacy out of America and away from their families, and Clay and Olivia and our interns, and many more that we're sending. He's ekballing people to help you in this field because he knows Manchester is big. So he's following some people. Many of you he followed the ramp church. And we need you. You go where he sends you, but those that he sent here, don't let anything take you out. You stay focused. Don't listen to the enemy in the field telling you you don't matter or getting your feelings hurt or something foolish or distracted. No, no, no. You keep your eyes on him on the mission at hand. Let's stand.